Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. What should I look for in trying to find a local church home? Every week, visitors come and go in local churches trying to discover if this is the right church for them. Uh, Do they know what they're supposed to be looking for? I fear that so many evangelicals today are looking for things in the local church that bear no weight in Scripture. Do they have a youth group? What kind of music do they play? And of course, those may be questions to consider, but we must never start there. That's always allowing the world to shape the way that we think about the church. So far in this series, we've seen that the church exists mainly, not so that we can satisfy our own personal preferences, but so that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Church exists for God's glory, Ephesians 3.10. Yesterday, we saw that Christ, not the Pope in Rome and not the many little popes that have popped up in evangelicalism, is the head of the church. So today, we're asking the question, how does Christ exercise his headship in the church? In other words, what is the final authority in the local church? I think the book of Ephesians is so helpful in understanding the church. Um, There's just some beautiful passages there. But Mm -hmm. in Ephesians 2, it says that we're no longer strangers and aliens. And he's really talking about those that Christ has called unto himself and and brought to himself. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So you're part of the church, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. And there's a lot being said there, and it's just really shorthand for saying when he's, when it talks about the apostles and the prophets, it's really talking about the, the teachings of the New Testament, the teachings of the Old Testament, all which are built on and point to the foundation, Jesus Christ. And so the, the foundational authority of the, of the church of, of God is the Word of God, um, the Old Testament, the New Testament, all centered on Jesus Christ. Now, quickly, historically— uh, when the reformers were, you know, um, coming out of the Roman Catholic Church, that was a thing of dispute, right? That particular point. So it's one of the solas of the Reformation, sola scriptura, which just means the authority of God alone. Uh, the Catholic Church believed in the authority of the Word of God, so I don't want to uh, misrepresent what happened historically. Mm-hmm. So the Catholic Church always has maintained the authority of the Word of God. The problem is not that. The problem was that they elevated the traditions of men and the, the church to the same level of authority as the Word of God that it was the the teachings, the decrees, the proclamations, the traditions of the church were on the same level as the Word of God. And the Reformers are saying, no, everything is subservient to the Word. Every tradition, every ruling, every decision, every whatever teaching of the church has to be underneath what the Word of God has said. 
and nothing is equal to it. Mm-hmm. And and of course they they also the, the reformers wanted to put the Bible, put the Word of God into the hands and hearts of the laity uh, as a check on misdirected leadership. Um, that that the Word of God can't simply be entrusted to a um, an exalted priesthood who who alone knows and understands the word of God, uh, it's got to be in the hands of the laity. In, in other words, every member of the church, every member of the body uh, who is capable uh, needs to know and understand the word of God. And that's, that's part of how we keep uh, a, a biblical godly check on leadership is, is when the people in the pew know the word. Well, this is why it's so, I mean, Phil mentioned this yesterday, and once again, you remember this because you were so enthralled by what Phil was saying. That, <laughs> what, about uh, the skinny jeans? Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, you know what? I actually think he said this off air. No, he didn't. He said it on the air about when he wants people to open up the Word of God, that he asked them to do it, that they sh- you should be opening up the Bible. You're not just yes. sitting passively listening to the pastor. Um, you're also not critically sitting in the pew scrutinizing everything that he said so that you can correct them after the sermon. Though very helpful and though enjoyable, I really do look <laughs> forward to those moments. Um, yes. <laughs> but you're, you have the word open and you study the word. I mean, if you're in a series within the church, you should be reading the passage ahead of time. You know where your pastor's going. Yeah. Well, read that text ahead of time. Do your own looking at the truths. Why? Well, in Acts 17, it says the brothers, talking about the, the church in Berea, immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. So they they were eager to be taught. They were eager to be told the truths of the, of the, the word of God. And then it goes on to say, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They heard Paul teach. And then they went back home and said, okay, is that true to what the Word of God said? And, and I would say that all of you as, as, as members of a church, as those that attend or are under the preaching of the Word, continue to, to say, okay, this is what I heard on Sunday. Does it align with what the Word of God teaches throughout? Yes. Mm-hmm. And constantly be checking those truths and, and pray at the same time that your pastor would be faithful to the truths of God's Word. It's not... You don't do this to, to do an aha, I gotcha moment. You're not uh-huh. trying to catch your pastor. Right. You're just trying to make sure that the word of God is upheld and honored and, and what's taught in your church reflects really the authority of, of, of God that he's revealed. Well, I think what's uh, amazing about that example that you gave was in Acts 17 is that Paul was an apostle. And the passage that you read earlier is that the church is built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. So it wasn't as if Paul was just merely a pastor. He was a super pastor, so to speak. And yet the Jews in Berea thought that it was okay and right to test what Paul was saying against the written scriptures. And Paul and Luke thought it was right because they recorded that they were noble for doing so. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of fishy facetiously saying earlier that <laughs> what, what, what moments, was that i know i know don't, don't make me go down that road again um all of us don't mind having people come up and question and say okay you said this but it 
how does that relate to this? Those right. are honest and sincere, um, genuine questions that I, I think I can speak for my brothers that we yeah. don't mind. Right. Um, that shows a heart and a desire to learn and to grow and to develop as, as a child of God. It's those um, moments where somebody comes up afterwards and was um, disputing some sort of theological fine point. Um, then it doesn't feel like it's about growth. It it feels like it's about um, being petty. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's never really helpful to say, well, why didn't you also say this, this, and the other thing? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the reality is there's lots of things that could be said every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And what you hope is that your minister is being led by the Spirit. Um be gracious and assume that they've spent time in the text over the week and had to make some choices in the study about, I can't say everything, but I feel like these are the things that I ought to say. Yeah. Um, I feel so like, I'm not sure you but, can give judgment me, based upon what was left out because every week, I think you need to understand probably half of the things that your pastor studied in the week was left out of the sermon because of it all can't make it in. Of course. I got I got to tell you um and I'll try to be I'll try to be brief with this Josh. Um that uh, am I the radio Nazi? Yeah, yes you are. <laughs> um that uh, an example of this that it just comes into my mind and has for for many many years. Uh many years ago when I was a young pastor and at the beginning of worship was that we, when you were wearing skinny jeans? That was <laughs> That was that was before skinny jeans existed. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I was a young pastor, and, and I, uh, I got up in front of the church on Sunday morning, and I gave the welcome, "Glad you're here," call to worship. And it, at that time, we always, uh, right after I gave a welcome, we had a greet your neighbor time, right? And I said something in my greeting about. Uh, I, I welcome you as we come into the presence of God. And we are now going to be in the presence of God. And then it was greet your neighbor time, and, and a, a dear, older, sweet uh, lady, uh, white-haired uh, woman uh, and saintly gal, uh, she took my hand and she pulled me in close and she said, Phil, where did you go this week that you were not in the presence of God? And uh, she was smiling and I smiled. And ever since that moment, that comes back to me again and again and again. I am always in the presence of God. Where could I go? The psalmist says to flee from your spirit. Anyway, that was a wonderful and friendly and loving correction to, I, to just some sloppy language that I used. Um, it wasn't some great theological point. Uh, but I tell you, that has stuck in my mind ever since. And I think that's a helpful just nugget for if you find that maybe your pastor has said something that's not quite up to snuff in, in, in what they've said from the pulpit, that you think, I think that was unbiblical. I, I don't think that was true to the passage or true to whatever. Um, the key is to lovingly approach them. Mm-hmm. Um, your disposition and how you approach the the minister or the teacher is so vitally important. What's your and then you have to check your motive. What what's your motive behind correcting? 
Mm-hmm. Remember that the church exists for the glory of God. So your motive should not be to try to to lord it over the pastor or to to feel like you're superior. It, it's to say, you know what? I care about the glory of God, and I want God's word to be central, and I want the truths of God's word to be taught faithfully. Mm-hmm. And if you work on that spirit before you go, instead of how quickly can I get to the pastor at the back door when the, the sermon's over to, to show them how they erred, mm-hmm. um, that's a whole different spirit. Yes. Um, and I'm guessing that these gentlemen here with me this morning have experienced the, the person who couldn't wait to get to you after the sermon to correct you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it misunderstands that spirit. I think that it misunderstands what a, a message is. Uh, a sermon is not a lecture. Uh, it's not a classroom dissertation. It, it's not any of those things. I mean, I would just push back a little bit on that dear old lady. It is coming into the presence of God in a special way. Yes, God is omnipresent all the time. God's in our presence right now. But hearing the word of God pe- preached publicly, Jesus said where two or three are gathered, and I know that's in the context of church discipline, mm-hmm. which is in the context of the public gathering, there I will be with them. So the, the gathering of the saints is a time where God uh, especially meets his people. Right, and, and in our Reformed confessional tradition, the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. And that doesn't mean that the, your pastor has suddenly become an apostle, um, and and suddenly speaking with the, the you know that the pastor's words are to be treated as the same as scripture. But in in that moment where God's word is exposited, God is speaking. Calvin is great on this. He he basically says when you hear the word of God from the pre- preacher as it aligns with the word. Uh, of the scripture, then you are hearing the word of, of, or the voice of God. Yes. So he doesn't just say, give him a, a pass and whatever the pastor says is, is the word of God. He says, as the minister is aligned with the word, you're hearing the voice of God. And I think that's a helpful way to approach worship. worship. Amen. Yep. Well, you've been listening to the gospel for life. We will see you next time. 